Hi there, this is Christian Horner. Thanks for stopping. You are world champion. We are world champions. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is Sergio Perez. Hi, it's Max Verstappen. You're listening to Talking Bulls. Oh, this feels good. Welcome to a very special edition of Talking Ball, the official Oracle Red Bull Racing podcast. What a year it's been. After a record-breaking 22 races spanning all corners of the globe, Max Verstappen clinched his second driver's title with the team achieving our first constructor's title for nine years. As we close out 2022, we wanted to take a moment to look back with the guys that made it all happen. Our team principal, Christian Horner, and our chief technical officer, Adrian Newey. Laura White caught up with them both at the factory. Well, Christian, Adrian, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time today to not only look back on what's been an unbelievable, record-breaking 2022 season, but also to look back on the entirety of the Red Bull history as well. So let's start at the beginning with you, Christian. Back to 2006, put our brains all the way back there. You became Red Bull Racing Team Principal. What pressure there must have been on your shoulders coming in, not just to that position as a whole, but also as the youngest ever to take on that role? What are your memories? Well, actually, I started in 2005. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, look, I mean, I was a young guy. I just kind of, I'd been racing in Formula 3000, had a team uh, that had been competing in that championship, the understudy at that time to Formula One. And, um, you know, Red Bull gave me the, the, the chance to, to step up and... Um, yeah, they acquired what was the Jaguar team at the end of 2004, and so um, it was uh, it was quite a big sh shift from you know circa 20 people that had been involved in the Formula 3000 team. So at that point, um, it was still around uh, you know just under 400 people. It was a big step, but it was a question of again just recognizing where the strengths and weaknesses were. And you've described Adrian's move to Red Bull as a litmus moment. What do you mean by that? Well, it was a huge, uh, you know, moment for for the whole team because I think the uh, the general um, consensus was that you know Red Bull were there to have a good time. You know, there was arrived with a with a big noise with parties and the energy station and a, and a whole vibe. But I think we were seen a little bit as the as the party team, and I think what was missing was. Uh, you know, a clear technical direction. I think that I'd always been a fan of Adrian and his cars going way back to Leighton House times in the, in the late 1980s. And Adrian was, you know, the very best that's ever been in, in, in Formula One. So it was a question of how could we entice, how could we attract Adrian to join you know, the Red Bull team? And that's where David Coulthard came into play, who was our driver at the time and had obviously worked with Adrian for, for many years at both, at both Williams and, uh, and McLaren. So Adrian, then what did entice you and what were your initial thoughts as well? Was there any scepticism you're joining, as Christian's just said, the party team led by, dare I say it, an inexperienced team principal? Well, uh, yes, I mean, of course, there was a bit of nervousness on my part. I'd, I've been lucky enough to work for two great teams with Williams and then McLaren. I've been fortunate enough to win some several races, championships and so forth. But I just felt I starting to get a little bit stale at McLaren. And at the same time, I was feeling a bit of an itch that going back to the team as, as my introduction to Formula One in uh, the late 80s with Leighton House, which was a tiny little team. I mean, we, were, we were 50 people with about five engineers. Unbelievable by today's standards. But we had some good races in 88, uh, struggled in 89. And then the first pass of 19 was all, also a disaster. And I was kind of struggling a bit with that, left to join Williams. And at the same time, Leighton House, it was, it was clear that it was going downhill um, financially and every, in every other sense. 
So, and it was a shame, I, I felt kind of quite bad that I was leaving Leyson House because it was, it was a team I'd been involved with right from day one. I thought we, yes, we were up and down, but we were making progress. And so we started to lose money. I had to fight with the financial director and so forth. So I had to leave. Well, in fact, in the end, I didn't have a choice. I just half tried to said I was going to, I made up my mind to, to leave and accept the position at Williams. Um, I was fired anyway, so that's that. <laughs> so you had no choice. Yeah. But I, I guess it's a long way of saying this. That it felt like unfinished business. That here was a team I'd been involved in right from the start. Who knows where we would have got to had Leighton House had proper funding instability. Mm. The opportunity now with, with Red Bull to join a team, okay, one year in, but still very much a fledgling team and to be involved with Christian on, on the, trying to grow that team with the aspiration to, to win races, I mean, kind of winning championships seemed a very distant dream at that point, but to try and win races was something that really intrigued me. Christian made a, a habit through that <laughs> 2005 season that I'd be walking into the paddock, I think um, Silverstone was on the clearest memory, and he would always happen to be walking <laughs> into the paddock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Following you around yeah. a shadow. Exactly. <laughs> oh, fancy popping into you. <laughs> exactly right. So, I think um, the Red Bull was sponsored or rebranded Superman for Monaco. So That's right, yes. Christian um, invited. <laughs> you came along to that. <laughs> to, the, to the premiere in, in the Monaco, and then uh, Silverstone, as yeah. I say, there was another chance yeah. interchange, and, and we started to talk a bit more. And yeah. this um, gentleman in a, in a black leather jacket suddenly popped out from <laughs> behind a truck and said, I am Helmut Marco. Here is my card. You will ring me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, well. Gonna have to do something anyway. Long story short, um, as Christian mentioned, then David, I'd had a very good relationship. I mean, what a gent, what a what a person, and so he he arrived as a very young driver at Williams in test driver in '93 and then race driver in '94. Moved to McLaren uh, one season before I moved to McLaren, so I'd been with David apart from that one year off from '93 way through to. 2000 and end of 2004 when he left to come to here. David is a good friend, somebody whose judgment I very much trusted. So there's a sort of fantasy check. Rang David up mm. and said, well, yeah, what do you think? And David gave it a big thumbs up. I met him at the Bluebird in, in um, London. We had a long discussion about it. Then Christian joined, I think you joined. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. No, the chance and, um, meeting. Yeah. Oh, I've no, popped up. That was a race. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I remember that, that lunch because uh, David uh, said, um, your former partner at the time, he said, right, I'll talk to her, you talk to Adrian, <laughs> which he was very good at. Yeah. <laughs> um, despite the stalking, shall we, shall we yeah. call it, what were your initial impressions of Christian? Uh, very personable, uh, very good at having <laughs> chance meetings. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, everything you said made, made perfect sense. The team seemed to have you know, the right backing with, with Dietrich and his passion for it. As Christian said, a slight re a reservation was, it was seen as the party team, you know, it had the big energy station, it had the red bullets in, it was always having big discos, and was this a team that would be taken seriously? But if you, if you went beneath that veneer, then to me it looked like, yes, it had all, had all the building blocks. I think most importantly, it had Dietrich's backing. And the, the reality is that entrepreneur owners in Formula One have had a, a very, very chequered history. They've been 
lots and lots, and they, they come and go, generally because the owners have had a slightly um, interesting background, let's say, and they run out of money, or they just run out of interest. And of course, Red Bull at that time, 2000, end of 2005, was still a, a relatively niche product. It wasn't anything like we now, it now is. So that was a, a concern, but we then flew over to Salzburg. Um, I met Dietrich, got the red carpet treatment, and uh, <laughs> saw what was going on. As I say, saw his commitment and passion for it, and that really was the decider. You were very much wooed into the team, weren't you? But it clearly worked, and it's definitely a relationship that's continued to work. A new driver also entered the Red Bull family in 2006, Sebastian Vettel. Um, Christian, what were your first impressions of him? And did you think from the outset, we're onto something really special here? Well, Sebastian obviously was a product of the, of the junior team, so we could see how he was developing and, you know, in Formula 3 or even in Formula BMW before that. Uh, and then, of course, he went off to be a test driver at BMW and got his, his Grand Prix debut uh, in standing in for, for Robert Kubica. Um, and it was obvious that he was, a, you know, he was an outstanding talent. And so Toro Rosso, as it was at the time, provided that opportunity to give some of these Red Bull juniors a chance to, to step up. And um, you know, having tried out a few of the juniors, uh, you know, as soon as Sebastian got that opportunity, it was clear that he was an outstanding talent. And at that point, the regulations allowed us to supply designs to both Alv or Toro Rosso and Red Bull Racing. So the cars were you know, certainly from 2007, um, you know, identical. Um, so that gave us a great reference to see you know, how Sebastian was actually comparing, albeit with a different engine, compared to you know, our, our drivers. And you could see, I mean, particularly in that Monza win, uh, in 2000, was that 2008, I think? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, was, was just outstanding. He's a four-time world champion. His legacy, both on and off the track, is incredible. Now that he has retired, stepped away from the sport, where, where does he rank for you among the Formula One greats? It's so hard to compare different generations and what they had at their disposal. But, you know, Sebastian worked incredibly hard. Um, he was incredibly dedicated. He um, left low, no stone unturned. He was often, you know, the last guy in the engineering office at the end of a Friday or, or Saturday. His debriefs, I mean, it took about Legend. Half, half, <laughs> half an hour to do the, yeah. to do the formation lap. Uh, um, <laughs> But, you know, he, he, he just applied himself um, so well. He was such a personable guy. And I, he really enjoyed driving, you know, in, in the team, the personalities within the team and his ability to mimic and take the mickey were, were, were his, legendary. For somebody who is not English by birth, his understanding of English humour is <laughs> an ability to recall and imitate um, English humour was, was incredible. And Adrian, for you, what was he like to work with? Obviously, from a, a technical standpoint as well, in terms of his, of his understanding of the car. I think, first of all, as Christian said then, he, he was very um, methodical in his approach. And he, he drove himself hard. And if he made a mistake, then he would want to understand how he made that mistake, what he could do in the better. And he very rarely made the same mistake twice. I remember in Montreal, I can't remember which, which year it was, but it was red flagged in the middle. He'd been dominating the race, red flagged in the middle, 
Um, it was then a, a, like a five-lap sprint to the finish, uh, and he ended up second, I, I think. Jensen beat him, didn't he? Jensen yeah. beat him, yeah. And he was absolutely distraught at that, because he felt he had not driven as well as he could have done, and therefore he'd lost what should have been a dominant win. And everybody's packing up the computers and everything in the engineering office around him while he just sat there going through the data with his engineer going through the television feeds and stuff. He wanted to understand mm. what he could do better should that situation arise again. So I think that dedication and that played through into the team as well. So that meant that then the team were often prepared to put in that extra mile because they saw his work and commitment that he was prepared to put in. So, he, you know, there were some years, um, 2012 in particular, the car at the start of 12 was really not very good at all. Um, so there's a lot we needed to try and understand to, to get it back on track. And Sebastian was very good at then coming in, sitting in the, in the big offices with a, a te the core team of, of performance en oriented engineers, if you like, the aerodynamics, the, the vehicle dynamics and so forth, the race engineers to try to understand what the car was lacking and what we needed to do about it. And then spending lots of time on the driving simulator, then testing our theories and working out what it was we needed to try to achieve. So that, that dedication helped us as, from an engineering side to, to make the car better. And then I think the other thing was that him and Mark Webber, his teammate for all those years, actually worked very well together. So. Mark had an incredibly delicate feel for the aerodynamics of the car. He could tell very subtle differences that sometimes we would struggle to pick up from the pressure taps and the load sensors. Sebastian had a very delicate feel for the tyres and that, particularly once you went to the Pirellis, which were a bit more difficult to handle um, or to drive, really, I think, meant that he, the difference between Mark and Sebastian got much bigger uh, once we went to those tyres. But their feedback gave us two important bits of what's important to the car. So how, it, how the aerodynamics work in terms of not just the loads, but the sensitivity of changes. And then on the tyres and suspension and the um, engine response and so forth from Sebastian. So it's a great pairing. It's clear teamwork is so important to motorsport, we know that. And there are many colleagues who've contributed, you know, here at Red Bull to the success of this team. But Christian, with Adrian sitting here, just how instrumental has he been to the success? Oh, hugely. Uh, so, I mean, Adrian is the only bloke that can see <coughs> air. Um, <laughs> you know, he lives in the matrix. Um, and, you know, he's been the conductor of the technical orchestra for, you know, all these all these years now and um, but he's still very hands-on you know he's he works in a different way to perhaps other technical leaders where you know he's still at his drawing board I think it's probably the only drawing board in Formula One I had to argue with Ron Dennis to wrestle it out of McLaren um, to, to, to get it here but you know he's still in there with his you know French curves and and pencil creating uh, you know the shapes and you know setting the the, the, the philosophy and um, and I think that's inspirational for the for the, the rest of the team and the guys that you know, and of course, so much experience for them to draw upon as uh, as well. It's uh, been huge. It's, and the, the thing about it, it's been you know just great fun as well. That uh, we've had obviously highs and lows during um, you know all these years, but it's always been fun. It's always been about the racing and. Um, uh, and as Adrian said, we've always had, had great support from, you know, from, from the group and from 
from Dietrich, from, you know, from Helmut, and uh, that's enabled us to go about our jobs and just focus on being the best race team that we can be. You can sense the amount of fun that you two have together just from talking to you and reminiscing now. You've also had some stunning driver pairings over the years as well. Uh, there have been a couple of moments this season. How do you manage driver ego, that desire to win that every racing driver will have, uh, to ensure team harmony and ultimately team success? Well, the word teammate is a bit of a fallacy, really. I mean, because <laughs> the, the first one... thing want to be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the person that's dictating your value, your worth, is the guy in the other, in the other car. And um, you know, we've been fortunate. We've had some great drivers that we've worked with, you know, over the years. And uh, you know, the current pairing of, of Max and Checo is 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 right up there with the, you know, the very best of them. And um, uh, you know, occasionally it spills over, um, but very, you know, not that often. I mean, we've been fortunate over the years that you could probably name on one hand the incidences that, that you know, we've had between teammates and uh, you know, gener generally they've worked, uh, they've worked extremely well together. So we've gone through the glory years. Uh, they were followed by eight years in Mercedes' shadow. Uh, we had a Mercedes dominance when it came certainly to the Constructors' Championship. What did you both learn during that period? Adrian, I'll come to you first. Uh, have a decent engine is probably the Right. <laughs> Obviously, the, the championships is years of, of 10 to 13 were all with the Renault V8. Um, we had a great relationship with the engineers at Renault. I think it's fair to say they didn't have the most powerful V8, but it was a product that they tailored to suit our car. Uh, we have some particular requirements, particularly in the way we use the exhaust, and they bent over backwards to, to maximise what we needed from the engine. We then went into the hybrid era and Renault in the first year, 2014, kind of made a, interpreted the regulations as well as Mercedes. Um, so we were quite a long way behind. And in the first year, you accept that. We all make mistakes. Chassis, engine, new regulations, you can get it right, you can get it wrong. They got it wrong. And they were sort of making a lot of promises for sourcing it out for 2015. When the engine at the start of 15 seemed, if anything, actually worse than the 14 engine, that was a pretty disillusioning moment. And, and um, Christian Helmut and myself went to see Carlos Ghosn and, let's say, didn't really see, receive much reassurance that there was a real desire to sort that out. And so that, that was a pretty depressing moment, in truth, because you then realised that in your foreseeable future, if you do a spectacular job, you might snatch the odd win here or there, but you're never going to win a championship. So that was a reset, um, which I think we all had to come to terms with, particularly after that period of kind of dominating the second half of 2009 and then the subsequent four championships, that this was not going to be our reality for the foreseeable future. But it's, it's part of life, and I think one of the the strengths of the team is that we put our heads down and got through that period so that when we had a good power unit again with our partnership with Honda, then we were, we were able to respond. Christian, what did you learn as team principal? Well, you learn that, um, you know, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. And as Adrian says, you know, during that period, it was, it was tough because we come off the back of four dominant championships and suddenly this barren period and another team has... You know, was just light years ahead of it of, of everybody, and, and and of course it's very easy for an organisation that's got used to winning for people's heads to drop, to lose 
their motivation. And the most important thing was keeping the team together, you know, focusing on the things that we could control, that we could influence. Um, and, you know, we had great loyalty, great continuity during that, uh, during that period. And, uh, you know, bit by bit, we um, were able to snatch wins, you know, here and there in every season bar one. Um, and it was always a question of, right, okay, we just got to make sure we get get the right power unit, um, you know, as part of that package. And uh, that involved taking some risks. And, you know, we did that for the 2019 season by uh, taking, you know, on Honda as a, as a partner who had had a very troubled re-entry to Formula One um, and had split with their, their previous team. But they shared the same passion, the same desires that, that, that we did. Um, and so we took that risk and, uh, and from, uh, they then obviously started to get things together. The engine for 19 was a, you know, was a step forward and uh, we were then able to, to really start to get the foundations in place for a, for a championship challenge. And then of course the new era came and with that came the award-winning RB18. How does that compare to the best cars of the Vettel era? It's, it's so difficult to compare the same thing. I think statistically, obviously, RB18 has been our best car. It's a car I think we can be very proud of in as much as we had a, a tight championship battle through 21, obviously, with Mercedes and Lewis. And arguably, we put too much resource into that, trying to win that title. So we, we kept developing the car well into the season. And of course, when you have limited resources, then if you're putting research and development into that car, then that research and development, you're putting into this brand new, very new car for the, for the new regulations, um, which we knew were coming, obviously. So it's a difficult balancing act. And I think it's fair to say that compared to all our rivals, we started on this year's car later than our rivals. Um, but we focused on trying to get the fundamentals right, trying to get the, the package in, in the way that would, including suspension, front and rear suspension, the, the layout of the monocoque, the layout of the radiators and so forth, so that we would have a package that hopefully, even if it didn't start out as the quickest car, we could develop through the season. And that actually worked. I think also we, we struggled a little bit with what's now being called bouncing, it used to be called porpoising. porpoising. In the pre-season testing, we were a little bit worried before we got there so we had some, we'd already done a little bit of research and, and knew roughly what we needed to do to, to improve it. So that when we put the race one package on in Bahrain, just before the race, then that catapulted us from definitely behind Ferrari to broadly level, let's say. And then after that, it was, it was a matter of developing it and kind of, the car definitely had some weaknesses in the, in the first half of the season. We still have some weaknesses, of course, but but we, we reduced those weaknesses and, and um, certainly by the second half then we had a fully competitive package. Reduced those weaknesses. <laughs> 15 wins for Max Verstappen and the Constructors title as well. Where does winning that title this season rank among your career achievements, Christian? Especially given as well how much talk there was off the track, how tough a year it was in that sense. Well, it was a very tough year um, and when you look at the statistics, it, it looks like we totally you know, dominated it. But certainly during, as Adrian said, the first half of the season, you know, Ferrari, you know, they had their chances. They had a, probably a, a, a quicker package, but you know, Max was outstanding um, throughout the year, but particularly in that first half. 
and we were able to capitalize on on some mistakes that uh, you know that were made but uh, of course off track um, there was a lot going on it felt like we were a little targeted at times and of course but the biggest thing to happen to, to us off track was of course the loss of you know the founder of Red Bull and and of course the team in in Dietrich Mateschitz but um, uh, you know thankfully he was able to see you know, Max retained that Drivers' World Championship in Japan. That was the best thing about uh, the confusion over the result in Japan um, <laughs> was that Dietrich actually got to, to see that and was incredibly proud of that. And then uh, two weeks later, um, the day after that he, he passed, we were able to um, win the race in Austin, which was hugely emotional and, and claim the Constructors' um, World Championship for the first time you know, in nine years. So uh, that was a huge moment for the team and one that, you know, we're all in, incredibly proud of. Christian and Adrian, you guys obviously do the interviews, you make the headlines, the drivers are in the limelight, but there are so many behind the scenes who make the success possible. What would you say to them? How important are they to, to the Red Bull team effort? Well, quite frankly, without them, we couldn't do it. No, it's as simple as that. You know, I think one of the, the huge strengths of the team is, is its strength and depth. When I first started, then it was one year out of being Jaguar, and it, it was, in truth, it was a bit fractured. I grew up in the Midlands, and I, I was aware of that, or I am aware of that Midlands culture, which can be a bit divisive, let's say. Christian and I then worked hard at, at kind of refreshing that, partly by bringing a few new people in, but mainly by just rearranging things a little bit, and, and people who become, let's say, a little bit battle-weary from the revolving door culture that had gone on before them, raised their game and picked up and felt involved. And, and you know, I think one of the strengths of the team is we have a, a very low turnover, staff turnover. A lot of the people here have been here since those Jaguar days. We like to think, and I think it's true, that we do have a very good team spirit here. Um, you know, there are times, of course, when we, we need to ask them to to put the extra hours in because of whatever's happening at that particular moment and they invariably do and they never ever complain about it. Just a great talented bunch of people and the fact is we, we you know, the factory is, it's obviously grown hugely over the years, um, but it's its root, it's, it's a relatively architecturally ordinary building on an industrial estate. Mm -hmm. So it's not the building, it's, it's the culture within that and the people within that. And, and that's, I think, what we can be very proud of. Let's talk about Max Verstappen. Uh, Christian, I'll come to you. What has impressed you most about his development, certainly over the time in which you've known him and indeed the time in which he's won his two world titles as well? Well, he came into Formula One um, you know, very, very early, still as a teenager. Um, you know, one year out of karting, you know, he did one season of Formula 3 and then was propelled into a Formula 1 seat. And you could tell from the moment that he arrived, that first uh, Friday session he did in, in Suzuka, that he was an outstanding talent. And, um, you know, his rise has just been meteoric, but he, of course he's had to do a lot of his learning under public scrutiny. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, you know, he was a little rough around the edges at, at the early phase of his career, but his speed, his commitment, his bravery, his car control were, were evident for everybody to see. And as soon as he polished off some of those rough edges, you know, the last three, four years, he's been outstanding. And uh, he's just got better and better and better. And I think now as he's gained that experience, the way he's driven this year, 
the way he's he's delivered. I mean, 2021 was probably the most epic season ever mm -hmm. in Formula One history, and um, it was felt like a heavyweight fight from the first round in Bahrain to the last round in Abu Dhabi, and then to come off that, which was exhausting for everybody, and go again and drive the way he's done done this year. He's just been absolutely faultless this season, and uh, I think taken it to an even higher level. So. And at only 25 years of age, it's an incredible achievement. How do you think he compares to Sebastian Vettel as well, both on and off the track? And we've talked about Seb with such glowing terms here at the end of his career. In 10 years, so 10 years or so time, will we be talking about Max in that same manner, do you think? I think they're such different people. I mean, Sebastian, very Germanic in his work ethic. Um, he worked very, very hard at, at everything he did. Max you know, just a very natural, raw ability that has a hunger and determination like I've certainly never seen before. So very different in so many ways, but very similar in their, in their determination, in their desire to want to win, to want to be the best. And, uh, and Max, um, you know, whatever he goes on to achieve in his, his career has done so, so much in such a, a short space of time. And as I say, at the age of just 25, it's quite frightening to think what actually lies ahead of him. And of course, you have Sergio Perez, his teammate, integral to both championships won this year. You also now have a third driver as well. Daniel Ricciardo is returning to the Red Bull family. How excited are you to see him back? And how much of a coup is it to get him involved as well? Well, it's great to have him back. I mean, we wanted to get him, him back. You know, he's got so much experience. He grew up as a Red Bull junior. And we haven't really recognised him the last couple of years because he sort of lost the, the, the spirit that we all know that Daniel, Daniel has. So I think he needs to rediscover his love for, for Formula One again. But of course, he still has such a, a, a wealth of, of experience and, and a popularity. And with the ever-increasing demands that there are on the drivers with the amount of races that we have now, it's great to have him back in the fold and uh, hopefully he'll rekindle his love um, for the sport. I'm sure he'll find it within these walls here. And Christian, we've got a Las Vegas night race next season as F1 continues to take over America. What are you most looking forward to about it? Well, the fact that I'm 50 that weekend and oh. they've, they've planned it on that, <laughs> that weekend. So it's a great place to that have is, your 50th. Yeah, wow. Well. Um, <laughs> on which night? On, on uh, Friday. So, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so it's sort of a working night. Yeah, so don't, uh, don't get too... But were you at Vegas when they were racing in the car park or was that...? Uh, not Formula One, but IndyCar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Adrian's yeah. done Vegas. I mean, yeah. you know, he's been in the Hangover. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Adrian Newey in the Hangover. Yeah. But uh, look, I mean, wow, what they're going to put on there? Saturday night race, ten o'clock, you know, down the strip. Um, it's going to be quite a spectacle. Um, I've never seen so much interest in a Grand Prix. We've never had commercially so much interest. Every is a venue that everybody wants to be at. So uh, hopefully it won't disappoint. And another brand new track to learn as well. Another brand new track. It does look like an upside down pig um, in the way that it is, <laughs> it is laid out. So um, but I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be different. Um, hopefully it'll produce a great race. And it's just fantastic to see the amount of interest that there is in the US at the moment. The fact that we've got three races there is, uh, you know, is outstanding. It's going to be special. Adrian, coming to you now, um, looking ahead to next season and the preparation for it, given, of course, a reduction in aerodynamic testing that you guys have, how will that make things look a little bit different? Well, I think answering the second question first, the aerodynamic testing, it's, it's very difficult to 
put an answer if that'll cost us so many tenths of a second per lap. The reduction in wind tunnel testing means we can therefore evaluate less, less different components, less different ideas. If we're really smart and always put on the right things on the model, then of course it doesn't make much difference, but that's not the way that it works. There's, there's always some parts that you hope will work and don't and vice versa. So it's difficult, it's, it's a restriction for sure that will affect us to put a number on it, I think is, it's not possible. I think then there's, there's a, a regulation, a small regulation change over the winter, which is a lifting of the floor, in, floor edge by 15 millimetres, which of course sounds tiny, but in reality it's, it's quite a significant aer aerodynamic change. So like all teams, we're working to reduce the deficit from that, in addition to the normal development that go on from year to year. We've obviously had a good year, particularly in the second half of the season, we, we had the best car. Other people will be looking at that and they will be, as always, the, the grid tends to close. You have a big regulation change like we have, the grid tends to open out. Um, if you're lucky, then you have two or more cars that are near the front and, and you can then have a battle, which is obviously what we had with Ferrari, particularly in the, in the first half. But Ferrari will be sourcing out where their weak areas they had a couple of reliability problems, they, they obviously had made a couple of pit wall mistakes. Um, so they'll be right back. And then, of course, you obviously saw Mercedes starting with a car that was quite a long way off the pace and evolving it to the point they won the, won the last race but one. So we know they will be right there. So it's, it's going to be a tough year for sure. And you must also have one eye on 2026 as well. How challenging is it developing that car and also the power unit as well? From the chassis side, there's not much to go on for the 26 regulations yet. We've got bits and pieces which are relate, related to the... And we know roughly what the intent of, of um, F1 and FIA is for the regulations for 26. But there's nothing we can really get our teeth stuck into at this point. For the engine guys, of course, that's very different. They have a firm set of regulations now. It's one of those same but different regulations. So the, the core combustion engine regulations are very similar, but the, the difference in the hybrid, the, the loss of the um, hybrid unit powering the turbo and so forth, that, those are actually big differences. So all the power unit guys have quite a lot of work to do. Our group being a, a brand new group starting from scratch, they have a huge task um, on their plates. So their, their small advantage is that they don't have to be out racing, so they don't have the day-to-day -day maintenance. A disadvantage of that, of course, is they don't get the day-to-day -day feedback either. Um, so they're kind of working their own little area without being ex exposed, which is it's a very different way of developing things. You know, they've got to build up all the systems, all the methodology, all the experience of suppliers that the existing manufacturers, of course, have fully in place. So they, they have a huge amount of work, but I think um, you know, Christian in particular has assembled, he's, he's been in charge of recruitment, yeah. headhunting, poaching, whichever <laughs> adjective you wish to use. Paddock. Yes, a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, bumping into <laughs> lots of people. <laughs> Happening to me in the right yeah, pub at the right meetings. time, exactly. Well, um, coming back to you two and, and this working relationship that you have, you've had soaring highs, crushing lows over the years. Why do you think this relationship has endured and, and how strong is it now as you move into next season and beyond? 
I think it's one that's based on, on, on trust, that's yeah. based on, um, you know, friendship, uh, mutual respect for, for what, what we both do. And um, I think it's being there to support, you know, each other, you know, on the, on the tough days as well as, as well as the good days. Adrian, for you? Yeah, no, absolutely echo, echo exactly what Christian said. I think it's trust is, trust that we each can go on, get on and do our bit of, of our respective jobs and completely trust that the other one's doing his bit. I don't come into the factory every day, I work from home some days, and then obviously the, we have the race weekends. So we always have lunch, more or less always have lunch together, which can vary from kind of, you know, how was your weekend and, and, and what did you have for lunch yesterday to, <laughs> to some more in-depth mm. discussions about the future direction of the company. So I think that sort of informal way of working and trust is uh, and friendship is is the core of the core of the why it works so well. You're friends, yes, but you're also both experienced drivers in your own right. So who would win? Who would win <laughs> in a race? <laughs> I tell you what, Adrian yeah. in the classics, he's a pretty mean driver. I mean, uh, he's uh, won some big races at, uh, at Goodwood. I'm not, I'm nowhere near as brave as he is. He's fearless. <laughs> Let's get you both to Goodwood next year. That'd be something, wouldn't it? Mm. We'll see. We'll test it out. Um, well, both, thank you so very much for your time and for all the insight. And congratulations on a brilliant 2022. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Thank, thank you. you. What an incredible chat. Thanks for coming on Talking Ball, Adrian and Christian. That's it for this edition of the podcast and indeed the 2022 season. We finish on a high with Max Verstappen once again the world champion and the team clinching their first constructors title for nine years. But the hard work doesn't stop and it's all to play for in the 2023 season. Make sure you check out RedBullRacing.com for all the latest on the team. Talking Ball will be back next year with more exclusive action from the track, the paddock and the factory. Until then, take care.